so we are continuing with our current message series called Blessed. And we've been looking at a whole lot of blessings that God gives. And most of them, all of them so far, have, I'm sure you've been eager to get all the blessings. I wonder if you'll be as eager about this morning's blessing. Blessed are the persecuted. MD want one of those? <laughs> Blessed are the persecuted. We're going to have a look at something that Jesus said here, and this might seem a little bit strange, you know. Blessed are the pure in heart. I get that. My heart is unclean. I need to be forgiven. God can cleanse me and make me pure at heart. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. Now that God has changed my heart and cleansed my heart, I know that I have the assurance that I will be welcomed into the presence of God when I die. That is a great blessing. We looked at the blessed assurance, assurance of salvation. We looked at financial and material blessings that God provides. We've looked at all sorts of things that, that add value to our life spiritually, emotionally, or materially, and how the Bible calls those things blessings from God. But then you might think, okay, but I want all those things to be added to my life, but persecution? I'm not sure if I want persecution to be added to my life. So let me just clarify this. Persecution isn't the blessing. It wasn't like somebody punched you in the face for being a Christian and you said, oh, that felt wonderful, you know? Persecution wasn't the blessing, but God promises to bless people who are suffering persecution, okay? And so let's have a look at this key passage that Jesus spoke about it is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are you, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Now, I've, that little thing in brackets there that's underlined is not actually in the Bible. I've just put that in there. That is a definition of the word righteousness, because many people don't understand what the word righteousness means, and uh, in fact, very often we only hear it in the negative sense about somebody who's self-righteous, you know? So righteousness, the word righteousness actually means two things at the same time. It's like two sides of the same coin. On the one hand, to be righteous means to be in right standing with God, okay? So once I was out of God's favor, I was in wrong standing with God, but then I put my faith in Christ and was changed, and now I am in right standing with God. I didn't do things, that's not about my good behavior, because my behavior wasn't good, my behavior was bad. If my behavior was good, it wouldn't have needed forgiveness. The reason we need forgiveness is because our behavior is bad, my behavior was bad, but then God, in His grace, forgave my sins and brought me into a right relationship with God. 
That's one side of the coin. That's one definition of the Greek word that's translated righteousness here. The other meaning of it is it also means doing the right thing. It means when someone does something righteous, they have done the right thing. Do you remember years ago, probably it was decades ago now, when, when people, it was like surfer dudes, and it would be truly righteous, bro. It's like, yeah, that's not what that word means at all, you know? People, have got no, people use words and they have no idea what the dictionary definition is. So here's the dictionary definition. Blessed are those who are persecuted either because of their spirituality or their morality, because they have been made right with God or are now living a lifestyle out of that being made right with God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven uh, is theirs. Blessed are you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Like if people are saying all manner of evil against you and it's true, that does not count as persecution, okay? <laughs> um, it, see, all manner of, of evil against you, because you are my followers, I once knew, years ago, I, I pastored a church in Scotland, and we had this young guy in the church, and he was probably the most irritating person I had ever met in my entire life. And it wasn't like if it was just me that thought that, I would have been praying and asking God to change my heart, but everybody thought that, right? And uh, he, he was always getting fired from his job. Like he would, he would come in to church and you would see him with his face long, what's the matter? I get fired from my job. You've only had it two weeks. Like this is the eighth job you've got through this week. What happened? My boss is persecuting me for being a Christian. And he always added in this little thing as well. I don't know why. He, I suspect he's a Freemason. That's what he would always say. My boss is persecuting me for being a Christian. I suspect, okay, what happened? And the boss would fire him for being the most irritating employee that they had. That was what it was. And eventually I had to say to the guy, look, I'm going to be honest with you. You are not being persecuted for being a Christian. Everybody finds you irritating. Us included. The only reason we put up with you is because we're Christians, and you're a Christian, which means we're stuck with you for all eternity, so we may as well learn to put up with it right now, you know? Sometimes you've got to just tell people the truth, in love, of course, you know? But I mean, like, this guy was losing jobs and blaming it on persecution, and it was nothing to do with persecution. He was like that before he was a Christian as well. So... Blessed are you when people mock you, look at that word mock, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Do you see that there's different degrees of persecution? I mean, there's serious, violent martyrdom that goes on in some places in the world. But Jesus is even including people mocking you for your faith in the great scope here of persecution, okay? And he says, be happy about it, be glad, because that's the very way they treated the prophets, they persecuted them too. 
And he says, a great reward awaits you in heaven. So blessed are the persecuted. There's, if you're persecuted, God promises to bless you. And there are two blessings he promises to give you if you're persecuted. One in this life and one in the life to come. If you're persecuted for your faith in this life, you have a great reward waiting for you in heaven. There's a blessing there. But also, there's a blessing in this life. Because you see, if you're persecuted and you, that makes you back off, right? If, you, if somebody persecutes you, maybe all they do is mock you for your faith. And now because of that, that's enough to make you back off. Then you will never become the person, live the life, and achieve the goals that God has planned and in store for you. It's only those who are able to stand in persecution and go beyond that that are able to become everything God intended them to be. I'll show you it. Look, he says, there's a great reward awaits you in heaven, right? That's one blessing. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And then in the next sentence, let's look on. In the next sentence, he says, this is his intention. If you are persecuted and you're able to bear it and not give in, then this is what you'll become. The salt of the earth, the light of the world. Look, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Now, what you need to understand is that we use salt primarily for flavoring food, or technically, if you, as long as you don't use too much salt, technically what salt does is it actually causes your, the flavor in your food to come out even more. And so it helps flavor food. That is our primary use for salt today for us. Well, maybe not in Alberta. A lot of it goes on the roads and the driveways and all of that too, but that, you don't eat that stuff. And uh, so, but in those days, yes, they used salt to flavor their food, but the main reason for salt was to preserve meat and fish. Remember, they didn't have refrigerators in those days. They had salt buckets. And if you had a couple of fish or if you had some meat and you lived in the ancient Near East where the climate was very warm, you know that meat's only going to last a day and then go off. But if you bury it in the salt bucket, it preserves the, the meat or the fish for much longer. But you have to change the salt occasionally, because once the salt's all yucky and done, that you're not going to stick a nice fish in this yucky bit of salt that isn't going to preserve anything now and is full of bacteria. It needs to be thrown out and fresh salt put in. So, two things about salt. If you live your life, I don't know about you, but over this pandemic, I've watched a heck of a lot more Netflix than I usually watch. And the conclusion I've come to is the majority of TV shows and movies give us as Christians a glimpse into the lives of people who live their life without any reference to God whatsoever. I mean, you're watching it and you're thinking, I can't even relate to you people. You're having to solve all your own problems. I've got a good, good father I can go to. <laughs> You're all upset about what's happening in your life. I believe that my God can work all things in my life together for good. 
you're all terrified of dying. I believe that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, it's like the contrast is unbelievable. And I'll tell you this, if you go through your life without Christ in your life, your life will be very lacking in flavor. It will be a very bland life. Now, you might fill your life with all kinds of adventures. You could become a multimillionaire. You could travel the world. You could see lots of things that I've never seen, but you will still be an empty shell inside that has gathered a whole bunch of junk around itself. That's all. Your life will be lacking in flavor, lacking in meaning. But with Christ in your life, it flavors every part of your life. Everything, not just coming to church, not just worshiping. I mean, that's a big part of our faith. I mean, this morning as I got up here, my microphone was just saturated with worship tears. And I was trying to dry it backstage so I didn't get an electric shock before I came out here in case you thought it was the Holy Spirit going through me or something like that. And that is like a huge, that's a huge part of our faith to worship God, to pray to God, to hear Him through His Word and by His Spirit. But that's, that's not all our Christian life is about. Everything, your home, your work, your career, every part of your life is suddenly flavored by the fact that you're going through life with Christ in your life. But that, the flavor is only one part. The preservative is another part. What Jesus is saying here is this. You people, you people who you believe in me, you've put your trust in me, you have been persecuted because of it, maybe really severely or maybe mildly just with mocking and things like that. But you have stood firm. You have stood firm through any persecution. Do you know what you've now become? You now become the people who are preserving this rotten world from decaying any further. If you removed all the believers off of this world, I'll tell you, it would go downhill. It would spiral very fast. Just look at any country at any point in history where they came in and they killed all the Christians. After they killed all the Christians, what happened next? A violent totalitarian dictatorship that oppressed everybody, a rotten, decaying society is always left behind. So Jesus is saying, we're the people that are keeping this world from going down the tubes. And that will only be the case if we are flavorful ourselves, if we are the kind of people who can withstand persecution with a good attitude and a good spirit and still keep our faith in Christ. And not only are we the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. Do you see that? Isn't that interesting? In John's gospel, Jesus seven times says, I am, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door by which all come through. And at one point, he said, I am the light of the world. Those who believe in me will never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So, Jesus is the light of the world, but here he says, you are the light of the world. Because the church isn't just a bunch of people who believe in Jesus. 
The church is a bunch of people that Christ dwells in by his spirit. Jesus is the head of the body. We are the body. His spirit dwells in, in us. He is the light of the world. He dwells in his church, and we are the light of the world. And we can only give light to the world if our light is shining. But if we're scared of any persecution and we go and hide our light, it will not give any light to the world. Look, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Imagine you're going through the desert at night on the way to the city of Jerusalem. It's dark everywhere. The only thing you see are the stars up ahead. And then in the distance, there's a hill. And on top of that hill, there's a bright light. It's all the lights in that city that are shining. And you feel unsafe out in this dark wilderness with bandits and wolves and wild animals. And you head towards the light because you want to go into that city. Jesus is saying that as this world gets decays more and more, and as this secular world gets darker and darker, we are supposed to get brighter and brighter so that everyone who's wandering around in the darkness sees the light of Christ in his people and are drawn to us. But they'll never see our light and they'll never be drawn to us if we're too scared to shine our light. Look, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let the way that you are living, the fact that you are forgiving other people, you are loving other people, you are praying for other people, you are living the life that God wants you to live, let that shine before men that they may see your good works and give praise to our Father who is in heaven. So, do you see the first, pa the first paragraph was about all the ways that we can be persecuted? And we can be persecuted by being mocked or being lied about or all kinds of evil things being spoken against us or being physically persecuted. But if we will endure that and not quit, we then become the people who influence this world through whom God does the work that he wants to do. Now, Recently, a report came out, an international report came out, I think it was last year, and it was, some parliaments around the world even discussed it, and this report was a report on the most persecuted people in the world. Do you know who they are? Christians. Christians are the most persecuted people in the world and the mainstream media give the least attention to that, and so do most Western governments and democracies give least attention to that, than, less than they do to anything else. Do you know that 345 million Christians worldwide suffer persecution? Like, I know they're strangers to us, but they're actually our brothers and sisters. Do you know that every day, every day, 11 Christians are killed for their faith. That's what we know about. 
every day we know of at least 11 Christians being killed for their faith. This is now spread beyond Islamic and communist countries where the majority of persecution takes place, and the report detailed the alarming trend in Western secular democracies among schools and universities, among the mainstream media, and even amongst governments that this report said we are beginning to see the signs the early signs of persecution against Christians that happened in those countries before it devolved into genocide, right? So they're beginning to see that. Now, we need to realize that all over the world, there are people who are ex experiencing things that we aren't. Do you know that we actually have uh, a connection with a little church in Pakistan, and uh, it's actually a church of orphans. They're all orphans, and they are also all slaves. Christian orphans are enslaved in Pakistan. They become slaves, and they're owned by some Muslim man to do jobs, okay? And so they're all slaves. They're all orphans. They're all Christians. And we work with this young pastor who pastors this group, Sometimes we get great stories from him, and sometimes he will call us and say, all the little girls were attacked last night. Two of them are dead. This is a normal week in their church. I have another friend in Pakistan who has an apostolic ministry, churches all over the place, preaches to thousands. When he preaches, they have armed guards all over the place to protect the crowds. And I remember speaking to some Christians, and they were saying, well, I think, isn't that ridiculous, having armed guards protecting the church? Yeah, but you don't understand why. I remember one day I was with him in Washington State in the United States at a conference, and he, was, he had come over from Pakistan, and he was very upset, and he said to me, last week, a suicide bomber got into the children's ministry and detonated themselves. And he showed me the photographs. I couldn't even look at them. Now, I'm going to tell you, if there was 14 people protesting a pipeline, it would be all over the news. Not a single word about a whole children's church being blown up by a suicide bomber. Nothing. Persecution is real, people. And it's serious. I, ha I used, many years ago, I used to travel to Nigeria a lot. Uh, especially to the city of Enugu, in Enugu State. And I knew a young pastor there. It was a couple of decades ago. He was just in his 20s then. His name was Pastor Sam. And Pastor Sam was always beaming. Every time you saw him, he had a smile from ear to ear. His eyes were sparkling. He would hug you and not let go. During the worship, he was dancing and jumping all over the place. One day, Pastor Sam told me his testimony. When he was a teenager, he heard the gospel, and he gave his life to Christ. And when his family found out, they were mad at him. And they told his older brother, go and kill him. And his older brother came into the house with a machete. 
and said to him, you either deny Jesus Christ right now or I decapitate you. And Pastor Sam, a teenager, a teenager said, my Savior died for me. I will never deny him and did this and started to pray in tongues, waiting for his brother to attack, and nothing happened. And he looked up, he told me, his brother had tears in his eyes and was shaking, holding the machete, and said, just get out of here and run away and never come back. And he had to run away, and his family never spoke to him ever again. And when Sam told me that story, I thought, my goodness, he is always full of the joy of the Lord. If that was one of us, we would be joining a victim support group where we could all talk about how persecuted we are. What's wrong with us in the Western world? And so, we can't, we can't even handle it if someone says, I don't like you. Never mind, I'm going to decapitate you and blow your whole church up. I mean, people, we need to have faith in Christ above all else because our life might go beautifully, or one day persecution might come in. Don't make that the time that you find out whether your faith is real or not. Make sure it's real right here and right now. Now, look at this bit here. This is now spread beyond Islamic and communist countries. Western democracies are becoming increasingly intolerant of Christians, overlook Christian discrimination, and are beginning to show early signs of serious persecution. Do you know that in, a, in uh, the city of Victoria in Australia, they're actually trying to pass a law just now that if I was a pastor in that city and a Christian came up to me and said, I am struggling with temptation for a particular sin, it's one particular sin. I am struggling for, with temp, being tempted for that sin. Can you pray for me that God will change my heart? If I pray for that person, I can go to prison for 10 years. 10 years as a hate crime. It's shocking. Do you know that in my homeland of Scotland, in the capital city of Edinburgh, last year they put, the government put posters up? Do you know what the poster said? Hey, religious bigots, no one wants your religion here. Keep it to yourself. End of sermon. A message from the Scottish government and Scottish police force. Doesn't that sound like something the KGB used to do in communist Russia? Now, I am not saying we're all going to be persecuted, okay? I pray and hope we are not to that extent. But what if we ever are? Will you stand for Christ and Christ alone? Or will you hide your light under a basket so that nobody sees it? And you might think, well... And maybe, and I need to address this as well because it's been all over the news. So let me just address this. Are the current COVID restrictions persecution against Christians? Right, that's a big question. 
Well, it all depends, actually. It all depends on where you are and what's happening and so on. In some places, it undoubtedly is. There are some places, I remember one place in the United States, that the governor allowed everything to open except churches. The casinos were packed, absolutely packed, but the churches were closed. That sounds to me like persecution, or at the very least, discrimination. But do you know what the Christians did instead of complain about it? They all went to the casino. And then at one point, somebody just burst out into song, and they all joined in and had a worship service right there in the casino and prayed in the casino. And it's like, how come we're allowed to do this here, but we're not allowed to do it there in our building, you know? And so, in some places, undoubtedly, yes, here is, and I realize that everyone has different perspectives on this, and you are allowed to have your own perspective. Let me tell you mine. At the moment, here in Alberta, I do not think that the Alberta government are persecuting Christians because for two reasons. Number one, the restrictions that are on churches are not uniquely on churches. They're on other, other things as well. Now, whether, that, whether or not that's government overreach, you may have an opinion about that, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about persecution. Um, also, we're not supposed to deliberately go and look for persecution. Like, if we wanted to, we could like symbolically flip the bird at the government and we could do anything we wanted and we could join all our chairs together and we could all jam up close and say, we're not going to follow any regulations. And then they would come in and they would start handing out tickets and we would say, we're being persecuted for being Christians. Well, no, actually we wouldn't be. Because here we are, we are following regulations, we have got seating pods, we're socially distanced, we've got hand sanitizers and masks at the door there available and all of that kind of stuff. We are able to fulfill the conditions and continue to worship God, pray, and preach the Word of God, right? And so, as long as we're allowed to do that, I am not running out there in the street looking for somebody to persecute me, okay? I am quite happy coming to church, obeying the regulations, worshiping God, and still being able to go home and watch Netflix again tonight rather than be in a prison cell, okay? That's my personal opinion. I don't believe this is persecution. We could make it persecution if we wanted to, but I don't believe it is. We are allowed to gather. We are allowed to worship God. They're just asking us to take some steps. Whether you think the steps are right or wrong is up to you, but it's not impinging upon the gospel going forth, okay? So my opinion is let's do everything we can to oblige the secular government, but if they ever say to me, stop obeying God and start disobeying God. I will tell you, I will stop obeying the government and continue to obey God. If, they, if I'm ever told you're not allowed to preach the gospel, you're not allowed to pray for people, you're not allowed to believe in Jesus, at that point, I, I will defy the government 
and I will believe in Je- I will continue to believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the difference between persecution and non-persecution. So, yes, there are signs, but let's just not call everything persecution and let's not think that there's some bravado when I'm going to deliberately make myself a martyr. You know, I am going to be persecuted because even in the Bible, they avoided persecution as much as they possibly could. However, on the other hand, on the other, to the other extreme, you might say, well, we shouldn't, bo- oh, there's no signs of persecution. It's just when some idiot deliberately upsets the government, things happen, right? Okay, well, maybe that's your opinion then. Maybe there's no, however, we should still take note of things, Remember the famous quote, uh, it came from, uh, after Nazi Germany by, by Martin Neomler. Can you put this up, please, the next one? He said this, remember, you might know this quote. First they came for the socialists, talking about the Nazis. First they came for the socialists, and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I never said anything because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. And last of all, they came for me, and by that time, there was nobody to say anything for me. So remember that persecution is always a slow trickle and slippery path. Now, I am praying that we never here in Canada experience that kind of persecution. But I'll tell you what you do experience, people mocking you for your faith, people lying about you, people portraying you in a way that's not, I mean, like, it is not uncommon for parents to come to me and say, my kid is being told at school things like, the Bible is evil, and Christians are Nazis, and that kind of stuff. That's the beginning of those things. So, what do we do about that? How do we handle it? Well, we need to remember that all the saints in Scripture were persecuted. They were all persecuted. Let's have a look at at some of them. Daniel, remember Daniel was persecuted for his spirituality? They said the only way we're going to get this guy is to do with his faith in God. Let's pass a law that no one's allowed to pray because we know that he'll keep on praying and then we'll arrest him for that. You know, I was reading about a place where the government have passed a law that it's against the law to pray, even silently, it's against the law to pray outside an abortion clinic. I'm not talking about protesting or harassing people or anything like that. I'm talking about just stopping and praying. It's against the And if the cops come up and say, what are you doing? And you say, I'm praying, you get arrested. Why would governments be afraid of somebody silently praying? Do you think maybe they know, they believe more in the power of prayer than we do sometimes? Daniel was persecuted for his spirituality. Joseph was persecuted for his morality. Ended up in prison because he wouldn't compromise his morality. And very often that's what we'll be attacked on. Jesus, of course, was persecuted. The apostle Paul was first a persecutor until he came to Christ, and then, and then he was persecuted. But listen, do you remember that, 
The Apostle Paul didn't run out into the street and say, hey, come and persecute me and I'll show you how tough I am. He didn't do that. There was one time in the book of Acts where Paul heard that a group of men were going to kill him for his faith. So do you know what he did? He escaped. His friends hid him in a basket, tied a rope round it, and lowered it down over the city wall so that Paul would escape. The Bible advises us to avoid persecution when we can, okay? Not go looking for it, avoid it. But when it comes, we stand through it. Of course, the early church were persecuted. We know they were thrown to the lions and the gladiators. All of this persecution, and here we are, Western Christians living in a free society, and we're scared that somebody might be offended by us. I better not say that. It might offend somebody. I was talking to a group of pastors uh, a while ago, and I was telling them, you know, we put up a passage on the screen, and we, we were reading it, and there was a lot of things about the kinds of sins that keep you out of the kingdom of God, and we had people that left the church over one of them. And I'm saying to them, I don't understand that, because it's like, I never made it up, it was in the Bible. And this guy said, oh yeah, I avoid those passages, because there's people that give a lot of money that might not come to the church at Dude, Jesus is not your Lord. The people in your church with a lot of money are your Lord. You're obeying them. You're scared to be persecuted by the people in your own congregation, for heaven's sake. Never mind the people out there in the world. We're scared that we might offend people, but Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. So we will get persecuted how are we going to handle it? It might just be mockery or whatever else. How are we going to handle it? Here's four quick keys on how to handle persecution. Let's go on to the next. Number one, if people persecute you, forgive them. Didn't Jesus, when they were crucifying him, say, Father, forgive them? They don't even know what they're doing. They're being driven by subconscious forces. You know, the, the unregenerate heart hates God. They're being driven by, by forces that they don't even understand what they're doing. They don't understand who I am or what they're doing here. When people persecute you, it's usually more to do with their own unresolved issues than it is you. Jealousy is a driving force for many people. And so there can be all kinds of unresolved issues they have. Don't take it personally. They don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. Now, forgiving them doesn't mean you have to keep hanging about with them, but forgive them. Deal with the negative stuff in your heart. Number two, the second thing that we should do is we should bless them. Bless them. My goodness, I, I, there have been numerous times over the years that Someone has been causing me all kinds of problems, and I've been praying about it, asking God to smite them or whatever it may be, you know, and God has said to me, give them money. And have you ever had any of these argument prayers? We go, I don't think they deserve any money, God. I mean, they should be giving me money after what they've said about me, you know. Give them money. Why? Because they'll shut up after that. Look at this. 
Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Let me tell you what that, what that means. In that culture, in that culture, if you were visiting someone's house and it was nighttime and it was winter and it was cold, then what you would do, part of hospitality is you would say to the guest, here, take this little brass bucket and you would put a couple of, of hot coals out the fire in it and they could carry it or they could hold it on their head as they walk home and it would keep them warm. And what Paul is saying is, yeah, I know these people don't deserve anything, but put a whole bunch of hot coals there and let go over and above, go beyond the call of duty. Do something for them that they don't deserve. After all, hasn't God done something for you that you don't deserve? And when you do that, they'll think, oh my goodness, I've been speaking against that person, spreading a bad report against them, and all they do is nice things for me. What does God do for us, us rebels at heart? He blesses us. Bless them. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So you, you have to forgive people. You have to bless people. The third thing is you have to pray. And don't just pray for the people. Pray for yourself. Peter and John were arrested for preaching and healing. In some places, you can be arrested for healing people. If you pray for someone and they get healed, you can be arrested for practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, you'd think people would just be, the doctors would just be happy the person was better, but oh no. So, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers bit their nails and said, oh my, we better go and hide because we're going to... That wasn't what they did, was it? Because they weren't a bunch of cowardly wimps like Western Christians. They were men and women of faith and conviction like the people in this room are. Isn't that right? Okay. They said... They lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it. We're going to pray this prayer in a couple of minutes. Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. Then they go on and say, next line, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. We're going to look at this when we get to the blessing of providence, okay? How God is at work in our entire life even when we can't see it. Everything was done according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. And what? Give us, your servants, great boldness to keep doing the thing they're trying to stop us doing. Give us great boldness to preach your word. Stretch out your healing hand, O oh Lord, and perform medicine without a license, we pray. 
and upset the authorities. Let signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word with boldness. Pray to forgive the people. Bless the people. Pray for yourself that you will have courage and confidence and boldness. And the last thing is, keep obeying God. Keep obeying God regardless of what people say or how they treat you. You don't have to do it in a bad attitude. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You can be gentle about it, but keep obeying God. Because the Bible says that if you are willing and obedient, if your heart is willing and your life is obeying, God will bless you. You will eat the good things of the land. All of the blessings of God belong to those who stand firm through persecution. So we are going to pray that prayer today. We're going to pray for ourselves and for the, all the people connecting online. So let's stand together. We're going to pray about any kind of persecution that we are experiencing. For most of us here, it might just be mockery or something like that. For some of our brothers and sisters that are connecting with us online, depending on where they live, it could be more severe than that. But maybe you're not experiencing any persecution right now but you will at some point. So we're going to pray that prayer. And we're going to pray that God would do something in our hearts that will give us courage and confidence and boldness to keep on keeping on when everything is against us. Are you ready, church? Let's lift up our hands high to heaven. And let's say this prayer together. One, two, Three, Sovereign Lord, creator of all things, who sent your son Jesus, who died and rose again as you had eternally planned. Bring to an end all opposition against us. Give us great boldness to speak your word. Stretch out your healing hand and perform miracles among us. Wake us, shake us, and fill us all with the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. And everyone shouted, let's give him a praise. Come on, church.